This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And welcome to Food Stuff. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about peppercorns. Yes. Black pepper, kind of mostly? Yeah, mostly. Ish. Ish. <laughs> Lately, I've, I've been thinking a lot about black pepper in a weird yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a weird way? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> Very strange. No, I was just curious about how almost every recipe, I feel like, calls for salt. And black pepper. pepper. Black pepper, yeah. Yeah. I just got to wondering why, and I think we do kind of get to the bottom of it. We do, we do. Yeah, in in my household, we so frequently run out of black peppercorns because we, we have a grinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, we so frequently run out that, like, I've gone through several tins of white pepper because I have, for some reason, just this enormous quantity of ground white pepper in really? my... I, I don't know. I, I guess I've just It's a bought, mystery? Yeah. It's like ginger. Like, sometimes you just buy... I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you, you you don't know. I clearly. don't know. I did accidentally buy. <laughs> I can't even guess how much it is. I bought a uh, garlic powder from Amazon Prime, and apparently they only ship in the size that's um you can't see it, but it's bigger than my head. Oh wow! Uh, so I have garlic powder probably for the next year or so. It's good to have plenty. You're yeah yes. <laughs> You're I suppose so. Rich in garlic powder. I yes, I'm not rich in many ways, but I am rich with garlic powder. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, uh, p- pepper. Yeah, what is it? 
peppercorns are the fruit and seed of a tropical climbing vine, the uh, Piper nigrum. Mm-hmm. Dry them out, grind them up, put them in everything. Yep. They'll add a spicy, hot, piquant flavor experience. That's a pretty good description, Lauren. Thank you. If there's any company out there that needs a description for their pepper <laughs> products, I think Lauren just wrote it for you. <laughs> Call me. All, all, all rights reserved. <laughs> <laughs> Black pepper is native to a southwestern Indian province called Kerala and other parts of Southeast, a- Southeast Asia like Malaysia, Thailand, and Vietnam. Most pepper production falls between 20 degrees north and 20 degrees south of the equator. It likes a tropical, wet climate. Yeah, cannot stand freezing temperatures. No. And as we mentioned, um, we're mainly going to be talking about black pepper today. But there are other types, as you might guess. There's green, there's white, there's long. For black pepper... You uh you pick the fruit when they're mature but still green, not not fully ripe yet. You dry them, uh, during which they oxidize and may very lightly ferment. What? They'll wrinkle up and turn from green to black. And presto, peppercorns in all their floral, piquant, pungent, spicy glory. Mm-hmm. Green pepper is harvested even before black pepper, when the fruit is not yet fully grown. You uh, pickle or otherwise preserve these and then eat them whole. Uh, cooked in two dishes, more like a nut or a vegetable than a dry spice. Oh, yeah. White pepper is made by letting the fruit mature on the vines until it's red and ripe, and then harvesting and soaking them in water to let the fruit ferment for up to two weeks. Does this mean? Bacteria poop! Bacteria poop! Again! <sighs> Yay! The flesh of the fruit will fall away, and then you uh, dry and grind up the white seeds. It's a little bit stronger white pepper than black pepper and can have flavors that develop during the fermentation process, including sort of like funky or cheesy notes. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Hmm. Long pepper is a different species, uh, Piper longum, and it's a, it's a clustered spear of smaller berries that all dry up together and are sold whole. Uh, a listener sent us some once. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, they were favored by ancient Romans over round peppercorns and are a little bit more bitter. Um, they actually remind me of like Agnostora bitters a little bit. Um, there's, there's something again, floral and, and almost Christmassy in there to my palate. Uh huh. And yes, I went into my kitchen and gnawed on a long peppercorn while I was writing this last night. Oh, I was hoping it was night. <laughs> I was hoping it was like the montage in a movie where the main character can't sleep. Oh yeah. No, of course. This is like one in the morning. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> Um, Piper nigrum and Piper longum are not closely related, however, to chili peppers or to Szechuan peppers or to pink peppercorns, all of which do have a similar effect on the palate, but which come from different plant families. The pepper and pepper spray also is not from uh, Piper nigrum, but rather from chili peppers and uh, capsicum. Yes, this was a question I had recently. Yeah. And Lauren answered it for me. Right there. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> Now I know. That effect that peppercorns have. Yes. Pepper's main active ingredient is piperine. It's a stimulant and, and irritant of nerve endings in both your mouth and your nose, which is why pepper feels hot on the tongue and lips and can make you sneeze when you breathe it in through your nose. Mm. Uh, researchers also found 25 other key pungent and tingling phytochemicals in pepper. Tingling phytochemicals. Tingling phytochemicals. My goodness. <laughs> is it hot in air or is it just me? Is or just is it the, the pepper? Is it just the phytochemicals? Could be anything. Mm. 
Well, one of those is rotundone, which is also responsible for the peppery flavors in wines. Oh, thank yeah. you, rotundone. Mm-hmm. Um, and how it's grown. So, okay, I guess that maybe at the top of this I should have explained what a pepper plant looks like. Um, pepper vines for cultivation grow to about three feet or, or nine meters long, and they're, they're grown on either trellises um, or other support plants, various crop trees, stuff like that. And um, the, the flowers and then the berries grow in these kind of clustery spears that look a little bit like, like miniature grapes. Um, they grow green and then color red as they ripen. The leaves and berries aren't really bothered by pests because they're so pungent, but the roots are subject to a few pests and diseases when you're, when you're growing them. Mm-hmm. Um, they're harvested by hand, often by small-scale farmers who tend to sell them to larger farms or collectors who then sell them to big distributors and exporters. And unfortunately, these strata of labor mean the big companies like, for example, ABT McCormick are not directly responsible for either A, farm labor conditions, only like supplier and processor conditions, or B, farmers' income. Mm. Um, There are some fair trade initiatives in place, but according to a report in The Ecologist, the big companies don't always separate out fair trade peppercorns from non-fair trade when they receive these batches from suppliers. So it's hard to know what you're getting unless you really do your homework like crazy hard. Yeah, that is unfortunately true for a lot of not only foods, but particularly, I find, spices. Absolutely. Yeah. Some peppercorn numbers. Some things I read called pepper uh, the world's most used spice. And it once made up 70% of the international spice trade. Whew. Whew. In 2013, Vietnam was the largest producer of pepper, exporting about 135,000 tons. Whew valued in the $900 million range. That same year, Americans consumed about 27,000 tons of black pepper. Ooh. However, uh, pepper can be a volatile market, which is almost a pun about uh, volatile com. Anyway. <laughs> almost um, fun. Uh, in the 20 aughts, uh, prices per kilo of pepper dropped by 80% in like just a few years. And prices are back up since then, but um, it, it is apparently one of the least predictable commodities. Oh, really? Price-wise. Huh. The history of the pepper is also a little bit volatile. That is true. And we'll get to that as soon as we take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X, celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women, creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection, obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X. Visit TomboyX.com. 
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. All right. Some pepper history. History peppered throughout pepper. <laughs> oh, oh, so close. <laughs> We're, we're making the almost puns today. We're working towards it. Yeah. <laughs> Archaeological evidence discovered in India indicate that the pepper was around in the area by 2000 BCE. Historians are fairly certain pepper was traded even back then. But one thing they do know for certain is that sometime around 1300 BCE, black peppercorns were stuffed in the nostrils of Ramses the Great's mummified body. Huh. Yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. Pepper was a part of the Chinese diet by 2nd century BCE. And traders from southern Arabia pretty much monopolized the spice trade as far back as 1000 BCE, uh, which we briefly touched on in our cinnamon episode. Oh, yeah. And like we talked about in that episode, these traders loved to tell tales, tall tales, about how difficult spices were to procure to discourage competition. Oh, yeah. Pepper was no different. To get to a pepper pit, you were going to have to go through a dragon first. Uh, yes, dragons are real. Um, and they guard dragon pits with pepper in them. You heard it here first. <laughs> um, here's another pepper myth created by traders. Quote, in order to harvest the pepper, the trees have to be burned, driving the poisonous snakes away and in the process turning the originally white fruit black. Uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't want to mess with that. No. Mm-mm. Ancient Greek and Roman records mention pepper. Though through perhaps 300 BCE or so, it was considered best used as an antidote, not a foodstuff, according to Theophrastus. Mm-hmm. The first century CE Roman cookbook, Apicios, called for the spice in four-fifths of its recipes. Ooh. Yeah. Wow. It was used particularly to flavor meats that were dried or salted. 
Emperor Marcus Aurelius excused imported black pepper from customs tax. But you know who wasn't on board? Oh, our good friend Pliny the Elder. Pliny? Yes. What are you doing? He, he wrote, Whereas pepper has nothing in it that can plead as a recommendation to either fruit or berry, its only desirable quality being a certain pungency. And yet... It is for this that we import it all the way from India, exclamation point. <laughs> it's incredulity from Pliny. He was not having it. Apparently not. Yet, import it from India, Rome did. And when the Visigoths laid siege to the city in 410 CE, along with gold, silver, and silk, Rome offered 3,000 pounds of pepper to get them to back off. But it didn't work. No. No. Not at all. I'm sure they were tempted by the pepper. <laughs> Along these lines, Emperor Theodosius III is said to have sent a bale of pepper to Attila. A bale of pepper. Of of, of the Hun fame. Mm-hmm. Um, and historians think that as much as folks did love pepper, um, a lot of these large gifts of peppercorns must have been more symbolic than anything else, as they would have gone stale before they could have possibly been used. Um, pepper does have a strong flavor, so it might have been considered symbolic of, of power and aggression and virility. That's right. Rome wasn't the only European country that dug pepper. English king Ethelred II demanded 10 pounds of pepper as a sort of tax before he'd allow German spice traders conduct any business in London in 10th century CE. In 1180 CE, a pepper's guild was founded in London that would eventually become the Grocers Company. These first pepperers functioned at first like the spice versions of alchemists. At apothecaries would later, and there's a Spice Girls joke in there somewhere. I know it. I just didn't have time to write it, but it's there. The Spice versions of themselves, yes. Mm-hmm. Marco Polo observed a whole bunch of pepper when he arrived at Java in 1280 CE, and control of the pepper trade routes fragmented during medieval times, with Muslim traders maintaining control over the middle leg, but once the spices reached the Mediterranean, Italian city-states like Venice took over. 400 tons of pepper a year was going through Venice by 15th century, which merchants marked up 40%. Speaking of 40%, over 40% of all value that entered another Italian city-state, Genoa, was due to pepper by the 14th century CE. Because of the distance involved, shipping pepper was very expensive. To this day, Pepper expensive is a phrase in Dutch. And in French, um, cher comme poivre. Pepper was mentioned in dowries, ransoms, and fines of the times. Wow. You could pay for lots of stuff in pepper. They get a ransom note and it says... It's like, give me some pepper. Give me to leave 10 pounds of pepper or else. <laughs> yeah, you'll never see you'll never see him again. Oh my goodness. Wow. <laughs> so expensive was pepper and a lot of spices at the time. It was one of the things European explorers were hoping to find when they set off in search of new worlds. Columbus, good gravy, there he is again, (laughs) brought back what he thought was loads of pepper from West Indies, only to find on his return he'd actually been transporting the unvalued chili peppers. Oh, poor Columbus. (laughs) Portuguese explorer Vasco da Gama embarked on a mission from his king to find, quote, Christians and Spices. He seemed to have succeeded, and Portugal overtook the rest of the world to control the spice trade by the 1500s. 
They lost about a third of their trade ships along the way, though. But hey, you got to get some of that sweet, sweet, our savory, savory pepper. <laughs> yeah. And get some they did, too, to the tune of 2 million kilograms of pepper from India imported annually. Ooh. But Portugal slowly lost control of the trade to the Dutch in the 16th and 17th centuries, particularly in the big spice colonies. That didn't last too long, though, and the British usurped control from the Dutch with the British East India Company. It was around this time, though, that pepper lost a bit of its economic punch with the discovery of chili peppers. Which apparently did not go unvalued for forever and ever. Yes. Yeah. Times change. Mm -hmm. Uh, But pepper didn't stay down for long. It made a comeback with the help of King Louis XIV's royal chefs. The king was a bit persnickety when it came to food, and he preferred very little seasoning. Ah. Very little to the point that he forbade the use of spices outside of salt, pepper, and parsley. That's it. Once again, this royal food preference spread from the aristocracy and from there to anyone could afford it, people trying to emulate royalty. And this helped lead salt and pepper being to the two spices you're pretty much guaranteed to find on tables in the West. Yeah. Because one king was very particular about his diet. Huh. It makes so much strange sense. I know, right? Yeah. Hmm. Uh, starting in 1797, Salem, Massachusetts became the seat of a multi-million dollar pepper trade. That's when one Captain Jonathan Carnes found a route to the island of Sumatra in present-day Indonesia, thus bypassing the whole English, Dutch, etc. mess. <laughs> and uh, he successfully brought a cargo of pepper back home at a 700% return on investment, worth some $1.5 million or so in t- in today's money. That is quite the pepper trade. Yeah. Um, he managed to make one more voyage before other Salem shipmasters discovered his route, uh, kickstarting decades of hugely profitable, if hugely dangerous, pepper business. There was apparently a whole lot of, like, pirating and kidnapping and ransoming around and on Sumatra. Um, but the pepper trade through Salem was nonetheless really huge, um, their their captains and traders formed the Salem East India Marine Society <laughs> and exported their pepper through the United States, but also throughout Europe, and expanded their trade to other products, uh, including curiosities, a.k.a. artifacts, uh, riding the wave of, like, popular Asian exoticism that was happening in the 18th century, or uh, 19th century, rather, sorry. Um, and these from all over Indonesia, India, and China. The first live elephant in America stepped ashore in Salem. Really? Uh-huh. Um, all of this made Salem the wealthiest city per capita in the United States by the early 1800s. Huh. The Salem city seal still bears the image of a native Sumatran, along with the Latin for to the farthest port of the rich east. <laughs> I did not know this. I know, right? Huh. Um, and they would hold the trade until the 1840s when a whole number of factors, uh, like the, like a, a bunch of destruction to their ships from the War of 1812 and a trade competition from larger cities, harbors that had uh, better rail routes leading inland, like uh, New York City and Boston, would decrease the profitability of their pepper trade. Mm -hmm. And as with many spices, this widespread competition, along with a bunch of collaboration from the farmers and suppliers and the places where pepper was grown to to increase their their crops, would turn pepper from a luxury to an everyday affordability in the mid-1800s. Yep. (laughs) And now it's everywhere. Yep, you, you you get it for free in in little yeah, knife and fork plastic packets. Yeah, mm-hmm. just in case emergency pepper. Emergency pepper. 
You never know. I really want to try that sneeze thing now. That was another big question I had. <laughs> that was really true. Yeah. It, it'll totally make you sneeze. Um, and it, it has a few other medical uses than just making you sneeze. Oh. It does. Uh, but we will get to those after one last quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. This is Neil Strauss, host of the Tenderfoot TV true crime podcast, To Live and Die in L.A. I'm here to tell you about the new podcast I've been undercover investigating for the last year and a half. It's called To Die For. Here's a clip. All these girls were sent out into the world and they were told, try to meet important men, try to attach yourself to important men. The voice you're hearing is a Russian model agent telling me about spies sent out to seduce men with political power. The war in Ukraine is also being fought by all these girls that are all over important cities. For the first time, a military-trained seduction spy reveals how the Russian government turned sex and love into a deadly weapon. If you want to kill your target, it's easy. You just seduce him, take him somewhere, start having sex, and then he's very vulnerable, so you can kill him easily. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Pepper has been used medicinally. And I can hear your surprise from here. No way I can't. <laughs> um, including, according to the Encyclopedia Britannica, 
for flatulence relief and to simulate gastric secretions. Hmm. Yeah. Get your juices flowing. Sure. <laughs> That's a very nice way of putting it. Mm-hmm. Throughout history, various types of pepper have been used to treat things like hernias, heart disease, joint pain, eye infections, excess phlegm, constipation, and diarrhea. Also, flu, migraines, anxiety, depression, gastric worms, strep throat, coma, cholera, boils, night blindness, epilepsy, tooth decay, hepatitis, and syphilis. Coma? Are you trying to get you to sneeze out of the coma? I think so, yeah. Wow. Uh-huh. It's like those smelling salts. Yeah. Oh, and also, we can't forget, it was thought to... Elevate virility. Everything's an aphrodisiac. Oh, including spam. Somebody <laughs> sent us a link. What? Yes. I can't believe we didn't discover this in our episode. I just I just moved I just moved bodily back away from the microphone in shock. Okay. Um that's a great listener mail that I look forward to reading. Um back to Pepper. Modernly, uh piperine, which is uh that that key ingredient right. in pepper has been investigated for some of those potential medical uses that have been floating around in traditional medicine for literal ages. And in various human studies, piperine has indeed been found to have anti-inflammatory, anti-carcinogenic, anti-asthmatic, antioxidant, and even anti-diabetic effects, among others. But unfortunately, uh, piperine is only slightly soluble in water, so it's not readily bioavailable to our cells. It's hard for our bodies to use. And research is ongoing about its possible medicinal uses and better ways for our bodies to, to get at it, um, which involve like nanoparticle encapsulation and matrices of lipids, which is pretty great. That is excellent. It's also been shown to inhibit the growth uh pepper in general. Pepper has also been shown to inhibit the growth of some 25% of the microbes that lead to food spoilage, Hmm. which make it indeed a worthy culinary ingredient, especially during humanity's long history pre-refrigeration. Yeah. Uh, For for meats and stuff like that. And pepper is also currently being investigated for some of its terpenes, which are these flavor compounds that bind with receptors in the brain that may interact with other drugs— like cannabis, to help lessen unwanted effects, such as, in the example of cannabis, anxiety. <laughs> yeah, I saw that a note in the outline before you filled it out, and I, I was very intrigued. I think it just said weed anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> it was one of the things that popped up when I was researching. I was like, all right. <laughs> wow. Cool. Yeah. Who knew, Pepper? People are on the case. People are on the case. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's also a little bit of an episode preview. We've uh, it is in another few weeks, not extremely soon. Yeah, in another month or so, we're we're plotting an episode about um about edibles. Yes, of the weed variety. Indeed. Yes. Um. So that's that's pepper. And a little a side note is my neighbors next door. Uh, they were named. Their dog was named Pepper. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I totally forgot about it. In this whole episode, I keep thinking about every time we see Pepper. You think about the dog? Aww. Yeah. Oh, he was a sweetheart. He got hit by a car, but oh, we saved no. him. Oh, no, my goodness. we saved what? him. Ah. Yeah. This is a roller coaster I'm sorry. of a conversation, Annie. It was, it was Annie. a really emotional roller coaster. Oh, okay. That was the end. He was okay. very sweet. Oh, that's nice. And I'm, I'm discovering, because I have another friend I mentioned in Garlic. Their dog is named Garlic. Yeah. So maybe spices are good. Pet names. Good pet names. Uh, definitely send us pictures of your pets if they're named after food items. 
Yes. I mean, send us pictures of your pets anyway. Like, yeah, I just want to look at pets all day. So I'm, I still think about that. The picture of the, oh, it's not an iguana, the lizard. Yeah. Mad-Eye oh, Moody. Heck, that was excellent. Yes. Oh, Mad-Eye the, yes. <laughs> anyway, speaking of sending us things, let's go on to listener mail. <laughs> nice finish. We stuck the landing on that one. <laughs> Richard wrote, I recently listened to your podcast on Takeaway, and my fellow listener's story of eating a cupcake wrapper <laughs> reminded me of an embarrassing tale from not too long ago. I was at a fancy Nepalese restaurant with some of my coworkers and bosses a couple of years ago. At the end of a very spicy and very garlicky meal, the waiter brought around this dish with these coin-sized decorated discs that looked like mints. I instantly grabbed one. And a second later, to my horror, I felt an explosion of soapiness and fluff in my mouth. Oh, no. Another second later, the waiter came around and poured hot water over the mints in the dish and replicated that explosion on the table. They were hand towels. (laughs) As I spat it out, I was equally embarrassed and amazed that a hand towel could be compressed to that size. Thankfully, I I was at the end of a long table with a beer-fueled discussion going on at the other end. So I escaped with only a third of the group laughing at me. That's a pretty good rate. And I suppose my breath was very fresh in the end. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I think that happens in some Melissa McCarthy movie. It might have been Spy. Uh, I don't know. There's a movie where somebody eats the hand towel. I've nev- definitely never seen that. Well, the, 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 yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, I've, I've never seen that type of hand towel. That's that's fascinating. I know. I I've, This is a cautionary tale. <laughs> Just be aware be sure it's a mint <laughs> yeah. before you put it in your mouth. Check first. Yes. Like or a, observe other people, see what yes. they do. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel wrote in on Facebook about our mushroom episode. I am from the land of rice and biscuit and gravy, Arkansas, but I'm currently living in Kotbus. I think that's how you say it. A city in former East Germany near the Polish border. Last Christmas season, the university had a presentation from a guest professor about how mushrooms may have played a role in Christmas becoming what it is today. As the story goes, tribes living in Siberia hundreds of years ago lived in huts half buried with round tops and holes at the top center to form a sort of chimney. And one would have to use a ladder to come down into these huts. At one point, after realizing the famously Christmassy red and white Amanita muscaria mushrooms were both strongly hallucinogenic but also highly toxic, shamans would apparently use the digestion process to filter out the toxins. By feeding the mushrooms to captured reindeer, the toxins would be absorbed during digestion, but the hallucinogenic elements would be allowed on and finally peed out. The reindeer, after having peed, would unfortunately then die due to the toxins. At this point, groups of men down in the huts would await the hallucinogen, and one man would retreat down into the huts, down the ladder from the chimney, with the gift of mushroom extract for a nice hallucinogenic experience for all, free of that pesky side effect of death. Yeah. Some say this is likely where the idea of flying reindeer came from, hallucinating men amidst reindeer-rich lands of Siberia. From here... It was said that parts of this association with the mushroom somehow spread and fused with the Christmas of the decreasingly Christian-associated holiday in different countries. I've also read that some shamans would sacrifice themselves as the toxin filters in some cases for such events. As an additional mushroom fun fact, this time about mushroom foraging 
slash hunting. I was amidst various forest areas in the Czech Republic with a friend of mine from there, and he coached me a bit on mushroom gathering from what he had learned with his mother and grandmother. No worries, we didn't eat anything. And there were at least a dozen families out gathering mushrooms on a late Sunday with kids and friends carrying bags full of fines. This forest was particularly full of the red Amanita muscaria I mentioned earlier, which was disconcerting with all the children about, but apparently that's the first one they learn for good reason. Of course, over time, lots and lots of incidents of mushroom poisoning was a thing either due to poor identification or just pure bad luck. Apparently, in Czech, they have a word specific for the case in which an entire family is poisoned and found dead at a later date. Morbid, but still fascinating to me that a singular word was made for just such a horrible incident. Yeah. Fascinating indeed. I thought so. I Yeah. <laughs> That's, yep. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how the language conforms to, you know, it, it really to is. what we need. Yeah. Um, I have a, I guess it's a coffee table book. Of untranslatable words. Ooh. And uh, I'm kind of disappointed this one isn't in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a lot. There was a lot of fascinating stuff in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Packed, packed right in. Yeah. There's, mm-hmm. there's some, there's some really great stuff about that particular mushroom and it's, it's, uh, yeah. uh, associations with, with various holiday, like Christmas holiday, uh, mm-hmm. traditions and, and symbols. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks to both of them for writing to us. Yeah. You too can write to us. Our email is foodstuff at howstuffworks.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at foodstuffhsw and on Instagram at foodstuff. Uh, we hope to hear from you. Thank you so much, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan. Thanks to you for listening. And we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender-inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit-tested for all-day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.